Our passage is Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17. And I would love for us to open up in a word of prayer. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning. We come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. The one who is the theme of our service. The theme of this message. And the head of this church. He is the one to which we have come to exalt this morning. Even as you yourself have exalted your son. And Lord, our prayer this morning is that we wouldn't just hear the words, but we'd be moved by the truth, and we, and we ourselves would exalt him to the glorious place as King and Lord over all of us. Be exalted, O living God. Aid us. Help us this morning to be attentive to your divine word, your authoritative word. And help me communicate it with power and conviction in a way that's fitting for the gloriousness of this historical event. The praise and glory of your name we pray. This morning we're going to look at the sixth part of Matthew's declaration that Jesus is the Messiah. As, As we've been in the book of Matthew, we have seen Matthew declare that Jesus is the Messiah through his genealogy, through his birth, through the Magi's visits, through his early events of his childhood, through the prophetic forerunner who went before him. And today we're going to see Jesus, Matthew proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah through his divine commissioning. A commit to be commissioned is to be officially called into service. And here we are going to see Jesus himself officially called into service. Most people look at the events of Jesus' baptism and they have no idea of the awesome significance of the event of his baptism. Because they 
mugaso ki ogwaliwo oba amakuru agali munda agaliwo misere but the event does demand us ask questions like why in the world is jesus being baptized na embera bweti erete ibuzo mufe egamba ntirwachi yesu ababatizwa what's going on with the spirit descending on jesus like a dove church genda maso wetulabanga omoyi wa mukama akakuyesu ngenjiwa what is the significance of this voice shouting out from heaven saying this is my beloved son obokulekana okwamanyo kuva muguru kutegeza chi okubanga kugama njono yimwana wangu mwagalwa well the message before us we want to answer these questions wabulobaka wetuina lero bwagala okudamwe ibuzebyo and to guide our time this morning matthew divides this message into two historical uh, of this historical event into two parts. Era wotula ba matayo ayawulamu obubaka buno mu mirundi ya ebiri. He divides it into how many parts? Ayawulamu emirundi emeka. 2 emirundi ebiri. His baptism okubatizibwa kwe and his commissioning. No kuwebwayo obwa entandikwaye. To begin our time together I want to as I like to do take you back to the Old Testament for one moment. Look with me in 1 Samuel 16. Gatuta ndikale kambaze mu kitabo cha Samuel ekisoka esuleye. 1 Samuel 16. I want to see your Bibles moving there. Let me trust they are 1 Samuel 16. Yakala buli omwa berenga abikula Bible ye. What page is it in Luganda when you get it tell us. 1 Samuel 16. Obunji bwe mpapula bisatu biri. In 1 Samuel we see the commissioning of King David. This is a monumental event in the life of David. It's when God himself commissioned David as Israel's king. We realize in chapter 15 that Saul has been rejected by God because of his sin. And, and, and God says, listen, I don't mourn any longer, 6-1. I've chosen a king. Samuel begins to look for that king. And when he finds that king, he comes and and the Lord tells him in verse 12 to arise and anoint him for this is he rise and anoint him. Look with me in verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Awo Samuel nalyo kadira ejembe lya mafuta namfukako amafuta wakati mbaganda be omoyo gwa mukama ne gujja ku Daudi namanyi okuva kuluna kuolo nokweyongera. Look with me in verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord what happened to Saul the spirit of the Lord what Departed from Saul 
Let me pause here for a moment. Let me help you understand what's going on in this scene. David is being anointed and part of that anointing as king was the spirit came to empower him to be the king of Israel. This is called the theocratic anointing. This was an event whereby God came and he empowered with special gifts and ability the king of Israel. And in this scene, notice the spirit departs from Saul. Why? He's no longer the king. And it comes to David. We know from the Bible that from Psalms that David says, please do not let thy spirit what? Depart from me. That is, he recognized that for the role of a king of Israel, the Spirit of God came and anointed him with special abilities to lead the nation of Israel. This was a special calling for a special man and a special circumstance. <laughs> Because the king of Israel had a special responsibility, service to make on behalf of God. This is not what happens to us according to John, 1 John chapter 5. We have all been given the, what? Anointing. Because we've all been called into special, what? service. And that's what happens after Pentecost. Well, go back to Matthew chapter 3 because in Matthew chapter 3, this is before Pentecost. Having understood that Old Testament events, I want to now draw your attention to the first part of this great historical event, and that is the event of Jesus' baptism. First, let's look at Jesus' arrival for baptism. Look with me in verse 13. Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized, what? By him. Here we see Jesus entering the scene. And it's presented in almost like a historical, in, in, in a, in a boop, boop, boop kind of an event. In chapter 3, John appears. 
chapter in, in verse 13, Jesus appears and what? Bam, okay. Okay. Jesus appears in triumphant fashion. And he he makes it very clear in verse 13 that Jesus comes for a purpose. And what is that purpose? To be what? To be what? To be what? To be baptized. Baptized by who? John the Baptist. We know from the text that Jesus was living in Galilee. It says that he was from Galilee and he came to Jordan. And here we see Jesus leaving from his home in Nazareth, which was in the, the region of Galilee, much like we're in the region of Loero. And he leaves his small little village and he comes on to the center scene right here and is beginning this is the mark of the beginning of his ministry and this is the transition point from John to Jesus a monumental event a significant event but a confusing event. How is it that the Son of God would come to be baptized by a man? How could the Creator of heaven and earth come and be baptized by His creation? Well, verse 14 reveals for us that Jesus, after arriving, came and something secondly happened. John prevents him from being what? Baptized. Look with me in verse 14, the prevention of, of the baptism. But John tried to what? He tried to prevent him. Saying, I need to baptize by you. But you come to me. This word here to prevent is in a tense that gives the indication he's continuously, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 no. It's it's communicating the idea of earnestly seeking to hinder. Let me ask you a question. What would you have done if you were John? Would you have prevented Jesus from being baptized by you? Or would you have baptized him? In our own context, it's kind of like me coming to your home. Some of you 
because you love me and, and respect me as maybe your boss or as your pastor, if I come and I try and sit on your floor, you say, no, 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 please take this chair. Chitwale mumbera we chiringa nganze wena jama kaga mwe, manyama muku mwe munja gala nyo, oboro kubanga di mkama wa mwe, obandi musumba mwe, when I went to my friend Calvin and Sharon's home in Apache and I began to carry my bag and, and, and they try and take it, oh, no, I can carry They said, no, 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 we have to carry your bag. And that's the idea. And, and I love the situation. Here, the heavenly king of heaven and earth, the one who is highly exalted above all things, this one here is fighting over humility. There was no fight of I'm the Omukulu, this is my show. It was no, 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 no. I can't baptize you. No, no, no. You must baptize me. Look at the humility of God-fearing men. It, it wasn't this idea, you can kiss my ring, but also kiss my hand, please. It wasn't like that. Matthew didn't just, John didn't just have intense actions of saying no, 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 but he also had intense words. Verse 14, he says, in verse 14, he says, I have need to be baptized by you. And not you by me. These pronouns that are used here in Greek, they're emphatic. And it, I, it's almost, he's shocked. I have no need to baptize you. You have come to baptize me. You came to me. This is the idea, sorry. You can see the scene. John the Baptist is there. And Jesus comes. Now listen, I think John the Baptist, as he's sitting there, he fully recognized who Jesus is. I think, I think he grew up knowing who Jesus was. And that's why he has total shock in the scene. John the prophet knows that he is unworthy to baptize Jesus. Because I am sure that Elizabeth and, and Mary would talk. I'm sure Elizabeth wanted to know what's going on with Jesus, what's happening. And I, I heard this, I hear that. And there was communication as these men grew up. I'm sure that John heard of, of his glorious birth. 
Yokana Yariauri de Kuzari Wako Kunokomuendo. He I'm sure he knew the angelic pronouncements. Yariama ni Ukulangiro Kwaba Malay that a savior is born. That God is with us. That they, I'm sure he knew that the angels, that the angelic announcement that the Messiah has now come. I'm sure he heard of the Magi's visits. The gifts and I'm sure he also understood his role as a servant of this Messiah by his own parents. And he knew it so much to the point where it was like, no, 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 I can't baptize you. I think as Jesus enters on the scene, John sees him. I'll bet you the Spirit of God was going crazy in the heart of John, and John is in fear and trepidation as, as Jesus approaches him, and, and and that's why when he says baptize me, he says, What I I, I, I can't baptize you. But regardless of what had been in John's mind. Jesus engages and interrupts the thinking of John. Look with me in verse 15 at Jesus' response. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, What? Guanji, he said, "What? Prevent it at this time." This here is an imperative; it is a command. As Jesus comes, and there's this this pushing back and forth, Jesus says, "John, baptize me." At this time. You must. At this time, it's essential. Jesus wasn't disregarding the fact that he was who he was, but for his reasoning, what he's going to give, he makes it very clear, you must baptize me. There's no other question. He provides the answer as to why. Let's see together. Why does Jesus want to be baptized? Look at the answer he provides. He says this. For in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all Righteousness. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Let me make two responses to his statement. 
The first response is as to why Jesus must be baptized as because according to him it is right. It is what? It is right. Or it's righteous. Listen, John was a prophet sent from God. Here we have the prophet sent by God here commanding the people by the authority of God himself and on behalf of God to be baptized, to repent, to be made right with God. And therefore, it was right for Jesus to submit under his father's command, under the prophet's authority. Let me give you an example. We have many rules around SOS, and since I'm the founder of SOS, I helped in making some of those rules. Maybe the rule is don't jump over the fence. And as a result of that, is it right or wrong for me to jump over the fence? It's not right. It is right that even though I am the CEO, even though I gave the rules and I entrusted them to other people, I too should what? Come and submit under those rules. I'm not over the law, I am under the law. That is only right. In the same sense, Jesus the lawgiver here is submitting his under his own law because it is Right. There's a second response that needs to be given from this. It's not just because it's right, but he says it's because he must fulfill what? All righteousness. This is a profound statement. And, and it gives us significant insight into the mission of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to what? Fulfill it. 
So therefore he came to do all that the law demanded. He came to fulfill all righteousness. Now pause. Turn with me really quickly to Romans chapter 8. It's very important we understand why Jesus must fulfill all Righteousness. Here we see in verse 3. For what the law could not do. Romans 8, 3, what the law could not do. And what the law could not do was save man. See, if a person can do all that God demands of the law, then he could be saved. But the problem is, man cannot do all that God demands. Am I right? And because man can't do this, why can't he do it? According to verse 3, it's because he has a weak one. I think the weak flesh there is our bodies. We have weak bodies. Contaminated by sin. And therefore man could not obey God's what? And therefore, according to verse 3, God sent his what? His son. And what is the role of his son? His son was, because he was God in human flesh, he had the ability to obey all that God what? And therefore, God could be fully righteous. He could do all, fulfill the law. Now look at verse 4. It says, why did Jesus come and fulfill the law? It was so that the righteous requirements of the law could what? So the righteous requirements of the law can be fulfilled in us. Picture this as holiness. Jesus on this earth, he came and he fulfilled all that the law demanded. He became perfectly righteous. 
He fulfilled all righteousness. And it's so that he would be an acceptable sacrifice on the cross. Because God had to pour his son on a perfect spotless lamb. His so Jesus became that perfect sacrifice. He obtained all what? All righteousness. So that he could what? He could then take his righteousness and he can give it to us that we could be made what? Righteous. So that his righteousness can be fulfilled in us. Amen. 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 Oh, friends, you need to say A. Amen. That's why the Bible makes it clear in 2 Corinthians 5:21 that God made him who knew no sin. Chovola bambakoli se chisoka tano atugamatino yamufula oyo echibi yaritamanyichi. To be sin for what? Asobola kuvera echibi kulwani. That that we that we might become the righteousness of ntife tusobola kuvera chi? So what Jesus is saying right here to John, John, baptize me, baptize me because it's right and I must fulfill all righteousness. I must fulfill this so that I can give this to you. And my brothers and sisters, I want you to know if you've not been given his righteousness, you will never see him. It's the righteous who enter eternal life, but it's not our righteousness. It's the imputed righteousness of Christ. Please make sure you have this. Please make sure you've been saved by the Savior. See, Jesus lived 32 years for a purpose. He didn't come and die. He came and he lived. Why did he live? That he might fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Yes, Christo, and this was one of those righteous requirements. Well, look at John's response in verse the end of verse 15. It says, Then he permitted him. The result of Jesus' command and explanation is John obeys under the authority of his master Jesus, under the authority of God, because when God's word speaks and when God's word commands, he obeys. Oh, my dear friends. 
Any servant, any true believer of Jesus Christ, when they hear the authoritative words of God, whether they like him or not, whether they understand them or not, they obey with quickness and obedience. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus, being the perfect Lamb of God, obeyed the words of God and was baptized, because it was right. How about you here? I've never been baptized. Should you not very quickly obey as John obeyed here? Don't wait. You sign up now. We'll find you when baptism comes. Some people I've asked, why have you never been baptized? Well, I, you know, I'm waiting for baptism. My friend, you are walking in disobedience. You sign up in obedience to Christ and you wait and we'll call you when baptism happens. Amina? First part was Jesus' baptism. Let's now look and turn to the second part of this magnificent event. The second part, which is Jesus' commissioning. Here we see verse 16. Look with me. It says, after being baptized, there's a break in the scene. In some regard, it says, after being baptized, uh, certain events took place. By the way, here we see that it says literally, after coming up from under the Water. The, the passage makes it very clear that baptism was by what? Immersion. They go under the water and coming up from out of the water is literally the translation. Things like sprinkling, things like that, those were all later things that came along, but they are not the biblical method for baptism. Immersion is, and Jesus here is, it's modeled here by Christ. But, but after this event, certain th- after this of uh, Jesus is coming up, certain events took place. These events are fascinating. Look with me at, at them. It says, Jesus came up immediately from the water and what? And, first of all, behold. 
Look at verse 17. It says, and behold, two times, and behold. Look! That's what Jesus is doing. And just like it was to draw your attention when I say it, it was to draw the attention of the hearers because Matthew is drawing attention to these glorious things. Look, look, look! That's what he's saying. Come, look here! And this is so important that he's saying he's drawing their attention two times because this is a glorious event. This is a magnificent event. This is a massive event of which he wants to draw the attention of every reader. Saying, look what happened. First, the heavens were what? The heavens were opened. In Greek, it's very clear that the says that the heavens literally were opened to him. This is a singular pronoun. Which means when Jesus was being baptized, he comes out of the water, heavens were open. I don't think it was open to every single person that was there. I think it was open to John himself. John himself sees heaven open much like other prophets had seen such things. For Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw the heavens open in Ezekiel 1. Stephen, when he was being stoned in Acts 7, Stephen, before he dies and is being stoned, he sees heaven what? As well, John, the Apostle John in Revelations also sees the heavens open. I think this was to encourage John to affirm John and the ministry that he was doing. Well, after the heavens open, what happens next? He tells us. He says that he sees that he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove. As a dove and lightning on him. Or and coming on him. Here we see, and again it says, as a dove. It wasn't a dove that came out of heaven, okay? The he saw the Spirit of God do what? Float down like a dove and what? Come on. on Jesus Christ. Say, what's going on? What's happening? 
happening. Here, God is commissioning his son. Just like Samuel came, the prophet came and commissioned David and the Spirit of God what descended on David, hear God, because no man is worthy to commission the Son. Hear God comes and commissions His own Son to be king saying, look, He was the Messiah. He is the Messiah. I saw the Spirit of God come and and anoint him to be our king. He is the king. Amen. And here he says, listen, Jesus, just like David, Jesus is being anointed to be our leader, to be our king, to be our master. This is awesome. From there, we see a voice come out of heaven. The third thing, a voice comes out of heaven. And here we see God the Father speak. Pause here for a moment. There are not many places in the Bible that we see the Son, Jesus Christ on earth being baptized. We see the Father speaking and we see the Spirit all in the same scene. How important is this event? So important that the whole Godhead is present to inaugurate the king in the service. In England, they will have royal weddings. And when it is a crowning of a new king, you watch. Watch how everything will stop. Watch how the whole world will turn to England because the king is being inaugurated. Well, here God is inaugurating the king and the whole Trinity is present. Amina. Amina. Just like in Genesis chapter 1, the verses are up here, we see God in all three persons involved. Let's turn now to see the message that this that comes from this voice out of heaven. I want everybody to see it. Everybody listen, behold, listen, look, listen. 
The voice is important. Listen. He says this. Look. This. He says this. This is my beloved son. In whom I am well. I think it was a lightning of a, a voice. This is my beloved son in whom I am well. What does he say? Why is he saying this? This is the same exact thing he says in Matthew 17. God comes again in the transfiguration and says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What is he saying? Why is he saying that? Well, look at me, with me in two passages in the Old Testament, and we'll answer that question. Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. Everybody turning your Bibles, I hope. Psalm chapter 2. The nations in verses in verse one come and try and stand against God in verses one through three, and they want to try and and, and fight God. In verse four says that God sits in heaven and laughs. Then he speaks. God speaks and says, "Listen." He speaks in his anger and he says that. Verse 6, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I'm going to send my king. What's that king going to do? Verse well, look what it says in verse 7. I will surely tell you of the decrees of the Lord. He said to me, you are my what? You are my what? Today I have what? Here we see in Psalm 2, God announcing, here is my son. Here we see in Matthew 3, God announcing, here is that promised king. Look at me in Isaiah 42. 
says these words in verse 1. Behold my servant. Whom I uphold. My chosen one in whom my soul what? Delights. He's calling attention to this chosen one that he's going to send, that God's going to send his servant who his soul what? Delights. Who his soul takes pleasure what? Well, what's going to happen? He tells us, I will put my spirit what? everyone I'll put my spirit what on him and he will bring forth justice to the nations and it begins to explain all that Christ will do as Messiah my dear brothers and sisters what is happening right here at this baptism is just as he promised the spirit of God is coming on his servant Jesus and he is God himself is declaring here is my promised Friends, you want to deny Jesus Christ? You want to not bend the knee under Christ and His rule? treason Jesus Christ was declared by God himself that he is the king and therefore every knee must bow every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is is the Lord Jesus the only proper response to God is worshipful allegiance to all that he says. Amen. Amen. Those religions that do not worship the Son will be crushed by the sun. Just like it says in, in, in Psalm 2.12, do homage to the sun, kiss the sun literally. That he, that he not become angry and you perish in the way for his wrath may soon be kindled how blessed are all who take refuge Amen. have you taken refuge in him 
Are you still not bending the knee? Please worship the Son. Father, we come to you and we worship you, we kiss you, we exalt you. Father, what can be said to you that uh, you would care so much for your creation that you'd send your only son to save it? What can be said about a savior who would humble himself to the point of baptism provide our only hope of a righteousness for salvation. What can be said to you who would come, the king, leave your throne and come to earth and return back to heaven? All we can say is crown you with many crowns. The lamb upon his throne. For none were worthy. Only you alone were worthy. Father, we love you. We give you praise. We give you exaltation. We give in agreement with those that are in heaven that there is none worthy. None worthy. But worthy are you for you were slain. You were purchased on behalf of God with your blood. You purchased us. Men from every tribe, tongue, and people. And you have made for yourself a kingdom. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You receive power, riches, wisdom, and might. To you alone, O living God, to you, the consecrated King, be honor and glory forever and ever. And ever and ever. And ever and ever. And ever and ever.